Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. to Elias Diaz, Colorado Rockies catcher who won the MVP last night. The All-Star game. Hitting a dinger uh, in the, uh, that was the top of the eighth, was it, Johnny? Top of the eighth. Bright, probably the bright, shining moment of the Rockies season thus far and probably will be the only one. But pretty cool moment for him. Uh, seeing him interviewed afterwards and he talked about how somebody right before I earlier, I don't know if it was the inning before or whatever, was like, hey, man, <laughs> you're going to hit a home run. You're going to win the game for us, and you're going to win that car. And then he did it. And he did it. And you can see how happy he was, uh, how honored he was to have that moment. Put the Colorado Rockies in the spotlight for a moment there. Did you see that last night? Oh, Yeah, yeah. Um, saw it last night. Saw it this morning on social media as well. Cool moment. One of very few this year for uh, co- any Colorado Rocky player. But um, I love hearing like the behind the scenes, right? Where a teammate or a guy comes up and says, "Hey, don't, yeah, don't like this is what's going to happen." <laughs> right. Um, have you ever had like any cool moments like that? Like I remember one strikes comes to mind for me with the Broncos. So in uh, 2013, we're playing against the. Um, New York Giants, and we had put in this play, this toss 38 Gator play, where it had me kind of pull, and I had to get that outside linebacker, but I remember we ran it in practice one day, and Sean was like, yo, oh, I promise you, like, this play, it's going to hit, it's going to hit, if you could get up to that linebacker, I'm going to make that safety miss, and it's going to hit, we're going to go to the house on this play, and... You know, we called it. It wasn't a play that we called often, so we called it. And I was able to get up on the linebacker, but not only did I get the linebacker, I was able to kind of get through him and also get the safety. And this play went for, like, 50 yards. And then Noshan got pushed out out in the one. Aww. So, like... I'm just like looking at him like, are you kidding me? Like, this was a highlight take. This is like, a, this is something that I was going to tell my children about for the rest of my life. And you get pushed out on the one yard line, you know, so, but, um, that was one of those plays, right? You, where you sit there and you talk about it all week and you visualize it and yet it happens. And, you know, yesterday for this, this player to be sitting there and you're talking about it and then you, for you to go out there and have that success is, it's unbelievable, unbelievable moment. And he won stuff because of it too. So yeah, he won a car. Double okay. cool. Johnny, do we know what kind of car he won? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the cool thing about playing for Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak was that we would have a moment like that every, every week. Because of something they saw with the defense and the tendencies that they were showing, and then something we put in to take advantage of that. Now it didn't always work, but there were you know every other week it was it was exactly how we drew it up. This guy's going to do we're going to do this. This guy's going to jump it, and we're going to be open behind him for a touchdown. And that would happen often because mm-hmm. these guys were just masters at creating a game plan putting in a couple wrinkles that were going to exploit a tendency that they saw that the defense was doing. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's double moves as a receiver, taking advantage of a, a horny DB, as uh, as as Coach Koob used to call well, it. What do you mean? If what he gets that horny, it, because he, he wants to jump the, the underneath stuff, or he, <clears throat> he wants to smell run and come down. And, you know, if the safety, safety gets horny, you know, 
block the corner instead or whatever it might be, or you got to block the safety. But that was Coob's way of saying that it was a guy that was susceptible to being beat deep. Okay. He was horny. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, yeah. That's what I was. That's where we're going with it. So your boy Peyton Manning, right? He's a man of many talents. He's a great football on-field general. He's a great producer. And uh, he's, got a, he's got an obsession, though, because, look, uh, you know, you ask him, Peyton, what's your favorite kind of steak? Omaha! What's your favorite place to go vacation in the summer? Omaha! What else? What other questions could we ask Peyton and the answer would be? Omaha! <laughs> well, he, oh, yeah, what's the name of your production company, Peyton? Omaha! <laughs> well, Omaha Productions has come out with a new eight-episode docuseries called Quarterback. And a lot of accolades, or not accolades, because it hasn't come out yet, but a lot of anticipation, and people who've seen it um, are pretty excited about this. The first episode comes out today, and the entire series follows around Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins all last season, and just kind of takes you inside the life, the mind, the body, the work of a NFL quarterback. Here is part of the intro featuring Peyton Manning himself. All right, look, I'm a little biased, but for my money, there's simply not a harder position in sports than being an NFL quarterback. I mean, think about it. As a quarterback, every single play, you're the focus. You have to know everyone else's job just as well as your own. You can't hear half the time. The weather's bad. You got 300-pound linemen trying to kill you. Win or lose, you are going to be front and center. You have to give credit when it's good. You have to take the blame when it's bad. You have to face the music when times are tough. And there's always someone waiting to take your spot. Beginning in September, each of the 32 teams selects one man to be their starting quarterback. And in 2022, that list included these three. Marcus Mariota. Hey, you get one opportunity a week. Let's put it all together for four quarters. Kirk Cousins. I got three words for you. You like that? And Patrick Mahomes. I'm here. Now, these are three very different players. Each in very different situations. But they all have one common goal. To lead their team to a Super Bowl victory. And during the 2022 season, they allowed unprecedented access to capture that quest. Love it. Did that get your did that get you excited, man? You're an offensive lineman. Do you care about how hard it is for the quarterback? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> of course you do. But also, I had an opportunity to play with Peyton, and so I've seen that guy do some things that are that's absolutely special and unique, right? Um, you know, he talks about the quarterback position being the hardest position out there and having to know your job, but also the job of everybody else's. Hmm. We've been in games where we're going in and we can't run a certain play to a certain look. And that's what Peyton would put on the offensive lineman sometimes. In the run game, hey, if we're not running power to a three technique this week and we like it better this week versus the one technique, I might get a a little bit too involved in the pass game and forget something like that. So just let me know. And that's what he would tell us, right? So uh, not often would he mess something up like that. But I remember one game specifically where he started to call check into power into a three technique and we weren't good that week. And we weren't supposed to run it to, into that look. And we look back and we tell them, yo, no good, no good for what him to doing, check out. 18? For him to check out of it. And he says, no, 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 we're good. They're, they're running a zone pressure. Don't worry, we're good. Oh, and immediately when he said that, 
it changed up the blocking scheme for all five guys. And, like, as a tackle now, coming down on the three technique, instead of coming down on a three technique, all I did was literally set HUD, and I knew the three technique was looping towards me, so I just threw him out the club to the left, like, to the right, and it made my block so much more easier, but it was like a 50-yard gash. And it was just all based off like safety rotation and, and Peyton having that accelerated vision and knowing exactly what was happening, but also putting all the, all the 10 other guys on the same page. So the quarterback position for, for me, like seeing that firsthand, unique, man. So unique. I remember him talking to like DT and telling them like, listen, when I'm throwing you these underneath routes that you're running, I'm putting the ball where I want you to run. And I'm telling you what the coverage is when you're coming across the field. I'm telling you if there's a cover two corner waiting out there by throwing it to you back shoulder because I'm telling you to cut it up. But if I lead you, I'm telling you now it's cover three or cover four and you could take that sideline. I'm sitting there looking and I'm like, yeah, right. You're telling me that you could dictate where you're placing the ball by six inches to the left, six inches to the right. And I started watching it on film and sure as heck, Nate, when there was cover two, that, that shoulder, that throw was back shoulder for that wide receiver to cut up when it was cover three or cover four. And now you had the sideline. He would lead that wide receiver or that tight end out there. So I, it's such a unique aspect watching a guy like Peyton do that. Now, I don't think every quarterback is like that at all, though. No, not at all. Peyton is one of one. Uh, the things he was able to do. You talked about all the, you were just touched on a couple of the things that made him great just now. You talked about the accelerated vision yeah. and the accuracy of his, of his passes. What do you think is Peyton's number one superpower as an NFL quarterback? I think accelerated vision. Yeah. I think Peyton, uh, probably 90% of the time knew what the defense was doing before the defense even knew what they were doing. Yeah. So when you have a guy like that and, and you have a guy that's so anal that will go down the line and, and, and switch it up with every person out there with all the code words and signals, you're always right. He always put you in a position to be right, never put you in a position where it was like a dead play. And thank God he's doing stuff still in the industry and, and kind of you know pulling the curtain back and letting us see what the process is and letting us inside his mind uh, with his... Omaha Productions release of Quarterback. Eight episode docuseries coming out today. Check it out. It's uh, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, Kirk Cousins playing the most difficult position in the world, quarterback. All right, guys. Uh, this is going to be an interesting season defensively. Vance Joseph taking over for Idro Evero, who actually did a pretty good job last year, but it was a really bad offense last year. So how much of the defense's prowess was dictated by that? Also, after Bradley Chubb, Chubb left last year, there was not a lot of pressure put on the quarterback. Only 12 sacks in the nine games after he left. I got a question for you. Who is going to lead the Broncos in sacks this year? We'll have that discussion next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Van presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Ideally, now, ideally, you got so many weapons on defense that can put so much pressure on a quarterback, you can ask him, how do you want it? Hmm. How does it feel? Hmm. But fourth quarter, right? right? Sack party. Right. You wanna you wanna take out you, you wanna double Randy Gregory? We got Baron Brown here on the other side. Hmm. You wanna can you double can you double both edges? You ever seen that? 
Yeah, uh, you can slide the protection to one side and have Chip help on the other side. Then you got DJ Jones coming up the middle. Yeah. Right? Now, <clears throat> who do you, do you know who the sack leader was for the Broncos last year? The sack leader. Was it Bradley Chubb, even though he got traded? No, but he was close. He was close. Yeah. Um, so, Baron Browning? No. No? He ain't here. He ain't here anymore. The guy that the guy that was the sack leader was here is still here. No, he's not. Oh, he's not here. And he anymore. had six and a half sacks last year. Six and a half sacks. Jeez, that'd be Draymond Jones. Draymond, okay. Draymond Jones. He's gone. Nice. Six and a half sacks. He was your leader last year. Bradley Chubb was in second place for the Broncos with five and a half sacks. Hmm. So your number one and number two sack sack dudes last year, who accounted for over half of your total sacks. Um, with six and a half and five and a half are both gone. Baron Browning, who's penciled in as your starter um, on the right edge, he had five sacks last year. Deshaun Williams had four and a half. Josie Jewell had two and a half. Jonathan Cooper had two. DJ Jones had two. Randy Gregory had two. Mike Purcell, one and a half. Nick Benito, one and a half. K1 Williams had a sack. Matt Henningsen had a sack. Jacob Martin had a sack, and that's it. Mm. And after Bradley Chubb left... There wasn't a lot of production. They kind of slowed down. So um, with those two guys, gone, Draymond Jones, Bradley Chubb, and the addition of, of Zach Allen, um, and what's his face? Um, the fella from, where's it called? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Frank Clark. Yeah. Frank Clark, who hasn't had more than six sacks in a season since 2019. So he's like a, been good in the postseason, but not so good in the regular season. But I ask you, considering, look, the, the the starters, as we see it right now, we got Frank Clark at left defensive end, DJ Jones at nose tackle, right defensive end, Zach Allen, Baron Browning, and Randy Gregory. Who is going to lead this team in sacks, Orlando, in 2023? I think it's going to be Zach Allen, you know, because when you look at the Denver Broncos and they play that 3-4 defense, and if you could stay in your base front, right, and a team goes out there and they – you know, they have two tight ends, and so you're staying base. What What's going to happen with Zach Allen's going to line up on that, that offensive tackle? Then he's going to have a Baron Browning or a um, Frank Clark or um, a Randy Gregory on the outside of him, right? So immediately... If you're an offensive coordinator, you're thinking you got to get to those pass rushes, right? You got to cover up Baron Brown. You got to cover up Frank Clark. You got to cover up um, Randy Gregory. The guy that ends up on a, a Zach Allen is the guard, a, a bigger guy that wants to kind of be in that phone booth. He doesn't want to have to slide out there in space. Now, with Zach Allen, all he has to do is really just rush wide up the field. Uh, he could. There's two things they could do. He could either kind of run through the offensive tackle to try to help free up his buddy, the outside linebacker, the Baron Brown, and the Frank Clark, the Randy Gregory's, or he could rush wide knowing that that guard has to kick all the way out there in space. Guards don't like space. They want to stay in that phone booth. They want to stay tight and as close to the center as possible. They want you to come to them. They want you as the defensive end to come to them. Right and try to run through them, and you're going to lose that battle every single day because the guards are the guys that are in the weight room, right? And they bench press the house and they back squat the house. But if you have a guy like Zach Allen now that has that athletic ability that can force that guard out there on that island in space, well, now you give him a three-way go. 
He could go to the outside of you, go right through you, or, or he could take the inside. So for me, just how this defense is constructed, if you have a healthy Baron Brown, a healthy Frank Clark, a healthy Randy Gregory, Zach Allen's going to easily lead this team with sacks with double digits this year for the Broncos. Double digits. Well, Draymond Jones, who led the team league in, or league, led the team in sacks last year with six and a half, and he had some injury issues, so he didn't finish the season. He might have been on pace for double digits himself, and he plays that same position. Zach mm-hmm. Allen played. So Zach Allen is is now taking Draymond Jones's place. But Draymond Jones's production seemed to be hinged to Bradley Chubb. They were like, you know, they play, fed, fed off each other very well. When Bradley Chubb left, the defensive line looked a little bit different. So I guess my question for you is, is Zach Allen's fate and his ability to do what you just described, does that depend on Baron Browning next to him and his ability to hold the edge and kind of take up some attention? So the difference was when when Bradley Chubb left last year, what they did with Draymond is now they made him the, the end man on the line of scrimmage, an emo, right? So they put him as the guy to set the edge because they didn't believe in Nick Benito. They didn't believe in Baron Brown and being able to set the edge consistently enough, but also you were hindered with injuries by not having a Randy Gregory out there on the field. So Draymond ended up playing a lot out of position, starting when you took that trip over the pond to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars right before that bye. And that was, you know, the the beginning to a snowball effect for Draymond where he never really got comfortable for the rest of the season because he didn't get to play just the defensive end position. He now had to play that end man on the line of scrimmage position where now you saw him standing up where typically for the first three years here, you saw Draymond and Draymond Jones with a hand in the dirt in a three-point stance. Right. I'm going to go with Baron Browning here. I think he's going to stay relatively healthy. And he's going to, you know, have a year under his belt at that position. And he's he's only a 23 year old kid. Um, he played 14 games last year. He started eight of them, and he had five sacks. And he he shows some flashes of brilliance out there, putting pressure on a quarter on the quarterback with regularity. I think Baron Browning's going to lead this team with 12 sacks, 13 sacks. Nice. When you look at the the sack leaders in the NFL last year, it was Nick Bosa led. All teams, all, all sackers with 18 and a half sacks. Hassan Reddick of the Eagles had 16 sacks. Miles Garrett had 16 sacks. Chris Jones, Kansas City had 15 and a half. And Matthew Judon had 15 and a half. Do you see any, any situation in which we can have a guy up there with like 15, 16, 17 sacks? What would have to go right for that to happen? Wow. Um, why can't it be us? <laughs> Why can't it be us? You look at let me let me let me tell you this. The first you said Nick Bosa led the league last year. Eighteen and a half. Then you said Hassan Reddit, right? That's right. Who was the third guy? Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Sixteen sacks. Okay, so I look at the first two guys and they have major depth, right? You look yeah. at Philadelphia. They had a couple guys that had double digit sacks last four. year. Right, that was wild. So yeah. they had four guys with over four. That that's over forty sacks. Just just to, to four guys. You look at Nick Bosa. Well, that's a pretty good defensive line that he's a part of as well. I would love to see the other numbers on that defensive line as far as pressures and sacks went. So, in for me, in order to have a guy have that those type of numbers, it 
where is the help? The NFL is too good nowadays to say one guy and one guy alone is going to do that. We saw it here with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Their rookie, Bradley Chubb's rookie year, Bradley Chubb had a heck of a rookie year, but that was the only time that him and Von ever really got to play together because of the injuries derailed this thing for the next couple years. Right? When you don't have that, that Robin on the other side to your Batman, now offensive coordinators go into the game and they say, this is the only person we have to take away. We could slide our protection to him. We're going to now, you know, um, have chip help. Um, we're going to have the tight end stay in and block. We're going to have a tight end slow release and run through this guy in order to neutralize this person. So if you want to have a guy get to these crazy numbers, the 14, 15, where's your help? Where's the, uh, where's the guy opposite that's dominating as well? That's finished off a season with eight, nine sacks. So that's what it's going to take in order for, you know, Baron Brown and to get to that number. Well, okay. What did you do on the other side, Jonathan Cooper? What did you do with Randy Gregory on the opposite side? Randy because Gregory. Because if Randy Gregory gets the eight sacks, maybe Baron Brown gets the double digits. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what it's going to take. It's, this is not like back in the day where you just have your, your one guy. You know, you have to have multiple guys on that defense line that could get after the passer and rush the quarterback. Hassan Reddick, 16 sacks for Philly. Brandon Graham for Philly, 11 sacks. Javon Hargrave for Philadelphia, 11 sacks. And Josh Sweat from Philadelphia. All of those guys had 11 sacks, those three guys. So maybe Randy Gregory gets double digits and so does Baron Browning. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Both of those guys have had trouble staying healthy, but if they can... Formidable duo coming off the edge. Broncos training camp starts in a couple weeks. Rookies report in one week. What does our buddy Mike Kliss have to say about it? We'll talk to him next. output last year, and that's why Sean Payton's here to change that. Will it happen? Well, they report in a couple weeks here, and we're going to find out if things have changed. Um, I'm looking forward to just seeing some precision in the quick passing game and Russell staying on time, uh, because we didn't see a lot of that last year, did we, Orlando? Not at all. <laughs> Offense looked disjointed. Never looked like they got into the rhythm of anything, and you know, the passing game is what you pay your money for, right? That's what they say. You, you, you sit there and you you pay and you, you show up every single day to watch an NFL offense, right, and the touchdowns. But this offense looked like they never really got to their full potential or never really scratched the surface of what it could have been. Well, if we're talking about what could be and what could have been, we got the perfect guy on the line right now, our buddy Mike Kliss, 9 News Broncos insider, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Mike, thanks for joining us. So camp is only a couple weeks away. Uh, rookies report in a week. I, I, did I read that correctly, Mike? And what happens when the rookies get there uh, a week before the veterans? What do the rookies do when they arrive? They uh, The big thing is the meetings, but uh, they do get on the field, I do believe. 
and uh, you know run through the run through the playbook and a lot of meetings. You know, it's uh, it's uh, ori- orientation for anybody who went to college. They they have those orientations the first week, and uh, that's what the Broncos uh, rookies they do that pretty much every year. I do believe. Mike, when you look at um, just the Broncos and you look at the culture word, right, and the, John Payton has to change the culture, how do, you, how do you think training camp is going to be this year when it comes from a physical standpoint? You know, do you think he's going to ramp it up? Obviously, we know it's not going to be Camp Hackett last year, but just how do you think that, that offensive line and defensive line, how do you think those battles are going to go? Do you think it's going to be a lot more physical than what we have seen here in the past? Or or is just this the new modern-day NFL where you have the big mushroom helmets and you just don't really bang anymore? Yeah, I think um, maybe somewhere in between. You know, on the Hackett thing, um, everyone made uh, a big deal about the uh, third-day jog-through. And, and that was true. That was, that was different. But when they did go at it on, uh, they also went at it every third day. It was about as physical, um, as any practice has been in training camp, you know, just as physical, if not more so than the, than the Fangio practice. That was kind of his belief. Take that, you know, rest up the body on the third day and go at it hard, um, you know, on, um, the day after. And so, um, you know, I do think it's going to be intense and, you know, when, when they're, they're going to put on the pads as much as they possibly can would be my, would be my guess with Sean Payton. You know, he comes from the parcels and the, you know, Belichick came from that, that tree. And from what I understand, Belichick, uh, it has as physical and as long, uh, as uh, training camp practices as the uh, rules allow. Uh, you know, there's, there's more rules and regulations. Even if you try to go as hard and physical as you can, it's still not like the old days. Uh, you know, when it's alumni day out there, the, uh, you know, the old timers that will watch the practice will say that this isn't camp. Uh, you know, this isn't practice. Uh, this isn't training camp. So because it's not near as physical as when they had to go two a days with pets. So, um, but yeah, I think I think it, there's going to be a lot more intensity. We saw it with the shorts and the and the helmets on uh, during the off season. It just seemed like everything was uh, higher speed and um, a lot more intensity of those battles up front. Mike, we we're just talking about uh, who's going to lead this team in sacks in 2023, and we we're talking about Philadelphia and the success they had sacking the quarterback last year. It was kind of a, an all time successful season. They had four guys. With double-digit sack numbers, Hassan Reddick, uh, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat. Do the Broncos have the kind of personnel that can apply that sort of pressure? Maybe not four players in double digits, but how about two guys? And if you were to choose two guys with double-digit sacks on this team, who would it be, Mike? Well, it um, it should be Gregory and and Frank Clark. I mean, that's what they're that's what they're counting on. Gregory has to stay healthy. I think he's capable. He's never had more than six sacks in a season. So if he has 10, you know, it's his career best by, by a lot. I think we saw enough of him last year in the first three games to think he can do it. I'm not sure he can stay healthy for all 17 games, uh, you know, with that uh, knee situation that he has. Uh, but the Broncos are crossing their fingers that he will be able to 
so far so good as far as getting him through the offseason. Uh, Frank Clark has had double digits before, but it's been five years. Um, you know, he's he's had six sacks, four sacks, five sacks the last three years with Kansas City. And that's with Chris Jones, you know, uh, in the middle, taking up some blockers. So uh, we'll see uh, how much juice uh, Frank Clark has. Then Nick Benito, you know, they, they got him with the last pick in the second round. He has the speed and flexibility to get uh, 10 sacks, but, um, you know, does he have the strength? I know he worked on that in the offseason. This is a big year for Nick Benito to prove what he's got. So those are the top three. Browning, from what I understand, boy, uh, probably don't count on him to the second half of the season. Oh, is that right? Jonathan, yeah, uh, and, and, uh, and Jonathan Cooper, um, you know, is he's a solid player. He sets the edge against the run. Um, I think, you know, five or six sacks would be a good year for Jonathan Cooper. So um, those are uh, those are your top guys. I do think, guys, that the uh, the edge, the pass rush, is a big question mark, even with Frank Clark here in 2023 for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Mike, when you look at this football team, uh, going into training camp, you look, you could go on the depth chart and, and you could go online and see the depth chart for the Broncos. Is there anybody that jumps out to you where you're, they got them penciled in as a starter where you're saying, man, there might be a little bit more competition or maybe that person is not there when it's all said and done. Uh, I'll go first. For me, it's Lloyd Cushenberry. Just want to kind of get your thoughts on him and does he have that center position solidified or, or is there going to be a little bit more competition at that position than we may think, Mike? Or, or do you have another position or another guy that you see on that roster that they have up? locked in as a starter that you think might be being pushed by his backup behind him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cushenberry, it seems like they've, uh, they're always trying to replace him. They're always bringing in competition. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that will happen again. Um, but I, I think what's uh, going to be interesting is uh, on offense is uh, tight end uh, with Dulcich um, you got Manhurst, who's a, a blocker. You got Adam Troutman, who's kind of a two-way guy. I'd be interesting to see uh, how that position shake, uh, shakes out. Well, it seems like there's going to be a lot of two tight end uh, sets. And then, uh, you know, on the interior, Mike Purcell, um, Matt Henningsen, uh, you got any in there uh, on, the, on, the, on the interior. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, an interesting battle, too. Um, how, you know, how that shakes out. Uh, Damari Mathis, I think, uh, from what I understand, he's going to be one of the starters, but they really like the rookie, Riley Moss. So, um, I think he's got a chance to play a lot and maybe compete with, um, Kwan Williams, uh, at the, at the nickel position. Uh, and then at, then at safety, uh, Kareem Jackson and Caden Stearns. I think that's going to be interesting. I think the Broncos personnel would like Caden Stearns to be the starter and have uh, Kareem maybe have a reduced role, uh, maybe a big nickel role, but uh, we'll see how camp goes there. Um, You know, Kareem, you know, they keep talking about his age. Last year at 34 years old, he led the team both sides of the ball in snaps. So he's not slowing down like uh, people think he uh, should, I guess. And uh, he's back on a non-guaranteed contract. 
Uh, so we'll see what happens there. KJ Hamler and Mims at the at the rookie, the speed rookie position. That will be another one to see what happens. You know, KJ's got some experience, but with all that injury history, um, I think it's going to be tough for him to make the team. Um, but if he does, you know, they're going to they're going to double the speed they've had in recent years. Good stuff, Mike. Uh, looking forward to training camp and looking forward to the couple weeks a year when we get to see each other in person and I get to yeah. lay my eyes on that yeah. beautiful well, head of you guys' brain. You guys pay attention so I can learn something. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, when I when I ask my questions, I always uh, feel a little awkward that you guys ask me when, you know, for years and years it was me asking you. Uh, so, Oh, Mike, anyway, trust me. We, we feel the same way, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah. Let me uh, j- just just know that I never do feel comfortable ah, uh, nah. answering you guys' questions. So no, no way, Mike. Uh, Mike go, you do I'll a great see job. out there, guys. You do a great job, Mike. Thanks, man. Yep, you do a great job. Keep it up, buddy. Looking forward to seeing you. All right. There he goes, Mike Cliss, Nine News Broncos Insider on the Johnson Auto Plaza Highline. He's being humble there, but Mike always uh, keeps us in the know. There's nobody who knows more about what's going on with the Broncos than Mike Cliss. Um, some some interesting information that he shared there that actually changes the the outlook on this defense. Also, I've got a bold prediction about this season. You're gonna want to stick around for it. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. This is Johnny. This is a string cheese incident. We've been kind of talking about it during the break, and yeah. they're coming to uh, Red Rocks this weekend. I probably won't be able to go this year, but you're not going to Taylor Swift this weekend. <laughs> I'd strongly <laughs> advise you, uh, yeah, you check out uh, string cheese at Red Rocks. They're they're amazing. Probably not a lot of crossover as far as the fans go. Probably not, but unless you can just like unless you're like Chad Brown and you just appreciate greatness as yeah, Taylor says. Whatever, dude. They're whatever, uh, Chad. They're actually on Friday. They're doing. Um, they're calling it like the John Fogarty incident, and so uh-huh. he's going to open with them. And he owns like a bunch of the rights to old CCR songs, so they're probably going to do. Uh, if it hasn't been announced, like a full set of just like CCR covers, which Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. Um, what is the string cheese incident? I mean, what, what is the incident that they refer to? Like, what does that mean? I have no idea. Like, my favorite band's named Humphreys McGee. I don't know where that comes from. Right. But uh, they uh, they claim to be from Telluride, actually. Um, so they play, you know, Dylan Amphitheater. I think they're actually playing this whole week. So I think they're playing Dylan Amphitheater two nights with a gap in between and then a three-night Red Rocks run. So, um they play Colorado a lot. They used to play at the First Bank Theater a lot for New Year's, so they're a good time for sure. I saw Ben Harper at Red Rocks right after the pandemic. It was his first show after like the pandemic had ended or whatever, and he said that he's obviously Ben Harper, been around the world, played at every single venue. He said Red Rocks was the best venue in the world. That's, yeah, I mean, try it to think of a better one. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people say the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm. There, there is one in Tennessee. It's called the Caverns, mm. and you're like, it's like a, I think it's like like a mile, mile and a half walk into the venue because it's like underneath this whole like mountain range. It's actually like a concert venue uh, made inside of like a cavern, and you have to like it's pretty cold in there. It's chilly from uh, wind chill and stuff like that. So I haven't been able to go there, but that would probably be like the only thing. 
that rivals Red Rocks in terms of like it's just it's wow natural factor. Beauty. Yeah, and that, but you got to walk a mile and a half underground. It's, it's a pretty far walk you from what I've heard. In a tunnel or no, you just I mean it's all like you know chiseled out. It's a concert <laughs> venue in there, but um, there's a, it's only like like a you know 500 person venue too. So it's like super intimate. Where mm. Red Rocks is still intimate, but it's also like what 10,000 people something like that. So. Cool. Hopefully I get to check it out someday. But uh, if not, I got Red Rocks right down the street. All right, Mike Kliss, Mike Kliss, we just had him on. He said some pretty interesting things, particularly about the defense. One of them was that Baron Browning looks like don't expect him till halfway through the season, which really does change the prospects of this um, defense and their strength and their weaknesses. And it's going to change my my selection for who's going to get the most sacks on this team. I said Baron Browning. I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> I have to change that one. But he also mentioned Riley Moss. Mm. The the rookie cornerback, and he said he might be able to compete for that uh, cornerback opposite PS two. I actually think this is Demari Mathis's job uh, to lose. I liked what I saw from him last year. PS two we talked about earlier was named the best corner in the league by a variety of players, scouts, personnel people. the re- The fact that he gets that much respect to me means. All the smoke is going to the opposite side. Damari Mathis is going to have a lot of opportunities this year. My bold prediction, Orlando, mm. even though the Broncos' uh, interception leader last year was Justin Simmons with six, Damari Mathis is going to lead this team in interceptions. Oh. What do you think about that? Um, it's going to be interesting because you, you're right. Whoever lines up opposite the PS2, you're going to get all the smoke. I'm telling you right now, there will be probably... 12 out of the 17 games, the offensive coordinator is going to walk in. He's going to circle that number and say, we're going at this person. Yeah. Right? What did DeMar Masses wear last year? 27? I think he's still wearing 27. Mm, yeah. Uh, we're going at him. That's who we're going to expose this week. That's who we're going to go at until he stops us. But the good thing about that situation is when you have a guy with such great cover skills as a guy, as PS2, now you can solo him up. So you could give DeMar Masses safety over the top help. You could let him, allow him to be a little bit more aggressive and jump everything underneath to be the, the, the interception leader of this football team. So I like it. I like, I'll tell you a thing that I do love about Damari Mathis' game. Just go back to that Chargers game. And I know he didn't have a good outing. And that's why I, coincidentally enough, I like the kid even more when he's able to face adversity. I think he had three, um, Three uh, p- uh, penalties in that game. Three uh, passing interference calls, right? Those are spot fouls, right? You, you, you're given a massive yardage. But yet he still was able to keep his head in the game and still play ball. Uh, football's hard. When you're in the tank, it tends to spiral. Uh, tends to People tend not to be able to dig themselves out of that tank. And he has done that. So you, you give him another year underneath his belt. You give him some safety over the top help, and I could see him possibly being the, the team's leading uh, interception holder this year. Yeah, something you mentioned about Damari Mathis is his, his mentality, you know, his mindset out there. As a corner, you are on an island, okay? And sometimes you're going to get beat. These wide receivers are very good at what they do, and the quarterbacks are super good too and very accurate. Like I was like, Justin Simmons was tied for the league lead last year in interceptions with six only. Like that's a low number. Yeah, these that's a down number, right? Well, these quarterbacks not throwing a lot of picks. Like the quarterback play has gotten so precise, which makes Russell Wilson's year last year so crazy. Is that you know he didn't throw a lot of interceptions, but he couldn't get it going. Like he only threw sixty sixty point five completion percentage last year mm. in a league that is increasingly more and more suited for awesome quarterback play. 
high touchdown numbers, low interception numbers, where the league leader in interceptions is only six. I think the 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 record in the NFL is like fourteen picks in a season. Dick Night Train Lane back in back in the day, Much. and he did it in only like fourteen games or something like that. Uh, who do you think is going to lead this team in picks? I gotta go with the guy that gets it all the time. The guy that is the free safety rolls back there. He's able to keep the whole entire game in front of him. I'm going with Justin Simmons again, man. I go with him. I feel like every single year, uh, Justin finds a, a, a way to put himself in great position to make a play on the ball. And he also gets a couple that's just thrown to him each and every year as well. So we saw him capitalize. I think there was like a, a game or two last year where he came out with multiple interceptions. Um, and, you know, so for me, uh, just chalk it up another year for him because he continues to play at a very high level and the game looks like it's slow in front of him for sure. Mike Kliss also mentioned that there could be a battle at safety between Kareem Jackson and Caden Stearns. We'll see how that goes in camp. I do think that's Kareem Jackson's job. I think he presents a, a, a brand of football, a physicality that this team needs. And Justin Simmons is not that thumper. And Caden Stearns is not that thumper either. He's, he's not going to fly in there like a missile and take somebody's head off the way Kareem Jackson uh, did and the way you used to do as a tackle running down the field cleaning up um, and the way you did today. The way we both did today, Orlando. That's what I'm talking about. That's it for us on the Players Club. Chad Brown will apparently be back tomorrow unless his dog eats his homework again. We look forward to having him back Chad in studio. Brown. Stick around for Stokely and Zach. They're next.